0: Hello, how are you this morning, Bruce? Hi,
1: sorry, I had the phone on mute because I was at the opera last night. I'd forgotten. (laughs) That's all right. I thought
0: I just figured you might be a very busy man and we might not actually get you on the programme this morning. So thank you for making the time.
1: That's good. Exciting to talk to you. Yeah, it's lovely to
0: have you on. Uh, what a congratulations! What a beautiful piece of theatre, and how treated were we on Wednesday? It was just fabulous. Yes, well, I
1: think that credit goes mostly to uh, Verdi, who wrote the most fabulous opera.
0: Tell us, there's a lot of listeners who wouldn't know that Verdi had actually written um, um, an opera for for, the, uh, for Macbeth. So, could you just uh, maybe explain a little bit about why it was? They sort of talked about why this was such a hard opera to put on. It hasn't actually been played um, with a lot of success, and and why is that?
1: huge success when it began then it sort of lapsed it wasn't performed for over 100 years and then in the 1940s there was a production in um Italy i think at la scala um and that was a huge success and it put the opera back, back on the map really but it's not done all that often but i've seen it it's done a bit it's done for moderately frequently but it's very dramatic. I think it's got uh, wonderful, wonderful melodic music. Mm. Uh, I think maybe the intense drama puts some people off. It's not a really a romantic opera. It's full of murders.
0: <laughs> well, I thought my son <laughs> would have quite liked that. Unfortunately, he chose yes. to stay home. But <laughs> well, well,
1: it's a very exciting opera to watch and it's a very good, um, you know, you get very engrossed in the story. You do. A lot of operas sort of drift along. You think, well, the music's quite nice, but you're not really that. You know, the plots don't really grab you. Um, but this one does.
0: The choreographing um, was actually stunning, and I particularly enjoyed the Witches' Chorus. I mean, that's always been a, a pretty intriguing yes, part the of chorus the film.
1: Is the, it's the regular chorus for Melbourne Opera. Um, they certainly are very, very good, very hard-working bunch. And we got a, a choreographer in, uh, a very talented lady, and she did a great job working with the girls. Uh, mostly all because all the witches really. Mm. When it comes she down, was fabulous. and they, they they had to work really hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, the staging was stunning as well. The um the costume, the set design. Uh,
1: yes, because I got the idea from uh, an old Austin Wells movie. He made a film of Macbeth uh, in the ni- I think about nineteen forty nine, and um, it's very stark and basic, and it's set in this very gloomy castle. And I thought that's the way to do it. No one ever does it like that. They always up. I mean, the productions I've seen of Macbeth, have all updated it, yeah. uh, which takes a lot of the power out of it.
0: So, when it comes to designing the show, who do you actually sit down with to to bring that about? Because it's not it's oh, you and a team. Well, of people. I worked
1: with a very good Melbourne designer called Greg Carroll, who I'd done a previous opera with uh, Otello, which by Rossini, and um, Greg's a very Bluff down to earth. In fact, he's an ex-boxer. <laughs> 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 he's about the last person you, when you meet him, you think this guy's an opera designer or a theatre designer, but he is, and he's a very gifted one too. Um, very thoughtful, very uh, creative, uh, and very practical. He had to build those enormous castle sets. You know, he, mm. he knew how to do it.
0: <laughs> I always wonder where they keep those when they're actually when before you've got to bump in. Where do you put them?
1: <laughs> well, they they have a big, um, they have a huge storeroom in a kind of maybe it's an old factory or something. Over, I don't know Melbourne very well, but it's in an old part of Melbourne. Uh, I don't know it's only about five miles from where I am in North Melbourne. Anyway, it's an old factory. Hmm.
0: When you um select the cast um, and I, Helena Dix, goodness how fabulous was she absolutely stunning um, and I really enjoyed uh, Eddie's uh, Banquo as well and I can't pronounce his, that's a very unusual unexpected oh, word. <laughs> oh
1: Eddie's from the Solomon Islands, I don't think anyone can pronounce his name, in fact I haven't heard him pronounce it, I bet really can't do it either
0: miliorma Sialti <laughs> is how I'd go with that, Siali yeah. <laughs> I'm not he's
1: sure a, <laughs> He's a very nice man, he alternates the role of Banquo, he just Norway always do it. He does it half the time, and there's another singer, Adrian Tannier. first class.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and and a beautiful voice. So um, it's unusual also to have. that um, was two. Um, it was a tenor and a, a baritone. Sorry, beg your pardon, and a bass um, as the there's lead.
1: A, a baritone and a bass. Yeah, the tenor roles are smaller in this opera, which I've often thought could be another reason that maybe not done that often because you haven't got a sort of romantic tenor lead. Mm. You've got a baritone lead. Mm. Um, the singers are all selected, of course, by um, uh, Greg, who who runs the, the company. Greg Hawking um, is very, very musical. He conducted superbly, and he's the one who selected all the singers. It wasn't me. I mean, he told me these are the people for the roles, mm-hmm. and he's got. Um, he really does know. I thought the I thought the casting was superb.
0: Can you explain to us a little bit about What the director's role actually does When you're in the theatre together Because I've looked at the profile of how busy you can be in a year And I'm just wondering how you can possibly direct so many things In such a short space of time
1: Well it wasn't, I mean we had about a month's rehearsal But you see before we start rehearsing We rehearsed in an old church in St Kilda Mm. Beautiful church Um, But before we start. Then I sit down, I research the opera, I study the libretto, and then I work out <clears throat> worked out basically how I'd like to do it. I talked to Greg Carroll and said, I think we should set this in the in the castle. And then I plot the moves. So you sort of choreograph it like a dance. Mm. So I work out where they would be and when the various scenes are taking place, and what would be on the set. You know, like I thought quite early on, I'll put the 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 king's throne there and then a lot of the action plays around that because he says at one point I did it all for the crown so Mm. I thought we should see that crown and that throne. I made that central to the opera Mm. which other productions I've seen never did that but I thought well that seems obvious to me, I'll do that. But then you have to decide how to work you know, basically where all the moves come. Then when I'm working with the singers, um we go along those lines. I mean, there'll be variations, of course. Because mm. um, doing a, doing an opera is quite tricky because you have to choreograph it so that they can always see the conductor. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. sort of like a movie where you can say, "Well, turn around and do this." Walking away from us, you can't do anything walking away because <laughs> they'll lose the they'll lose the beat. <laughs> okay, they've got, to, they've got to be able to see the conductor.
0: We were having a discussion about the old televisions that are up on the. Uh, I'm not quite yes, sure.
1: The, the te- they have they have TV on the side, so if they do looking if they are looking to the left or the right, they can see the beat on a on a television because the conductor's being filmed as he conducts.
0: And and Greg Hunt, who's my sound relay. producer who was with me. Actually, said to me apparently they don't use digital. Te- he he works in that area. That's his business. But he and he's a subscriber of the program. But he. Uh, um, he was telling me that the uh, digital screens aren't used because of the delay, apparently. Does it, apparently there's yes, some... So,
1: uh, that's it. I was told that too. That's evidently correct. If you use a digital screen, there's a slight delay before the image appears. So the, the, the music will all go to pieces.
0: That's not going to work for you, <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> they won't be coming in at the right time. They'll be late. Yep, so, yeah. So they don't do it that
0: way. Learn something new every day on this program, Bruce. <laughs> yes,
1: well, that was that was news to me when I found it out when I first got down here to, to do this show.
0: Yeah, and um, the other thing that I thought was quite interesting, I loved, and just to go back to your, um, you know, ideas, um, this, the screen with the crown on the front and then the knife, sort of so simply and starkly. Um, Sort of, you know, appearing with blood on us. Oh, it the was so that clever.
1: during the overture. Yeah,
0: mm, very striking and very strong.
1: Yes, we photographed those. My daughter is a, a photographer, professional. She came and did all that.
0: Hmm, is it very, very, uh, in, very, very strong imagery? I thought that it lent itself very well to. to uh, I
1: thought it. To it sort of, the idea was that it underlined the main themes. Mm. You see, you saw the dagger. The hand washing, which was her guilt, and the crown, which was the object of it all.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I'm hoping there's tickets and pe- available still, and people can go along mm. and watch the last couple of performances. Well, it is.
1: I think it's tremendously exciting opera, and I can tell. You know, when I was sitting there on the first night, the audience was so fixated on the action. I thought, this is good. It's like a really, it works like a, an exciting movie. You know, where there's a hush. Yeah. And they just think, what's going to happen next? You know, <laughs> it
0: was it was terrific. Um, a lot of not a, not a lot of movement between the king and and um, or between Macbeth and um, Lady Macbeth. Like they they're quite obviously. I imagine that's probably down to the difficulty of singing and and no,
1: well it is. I mean, but the way that that Betty wrote wrote it, I mean, those arias that are quite long. If you try to move them too much, in my opinion, the moves become rather They're irrelevant Mm. because I thought, well, what would they be doing during these? And I think basically they'd be talking to each other. So there are moves, but I tried to make each one mean something Mm -hmm. rather than just have them ambling around.
0: Mm. And I I thought it was interesting. I was reading in the program, um, you said that Verdi um, had mentioned that he wanted the singers to serve the poet uh, more than the composer. So I perhaps wondered if that was why that had been done. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, that he he wanted the singers to to really tell the story. Mm, mm, yes, mm. yes. He was he considered the. Um, uh, he said in a, a, an article I read somewhere other that uh, he he considered uh, the play of Macbeth to be one of the greatest achievements of mankind. Mm.
0: And you've you've been. Um now, where did I write this down? You've been uh, quoted as saying, um, and I thought this was interesting for unexpected words as well, antiqua- it's um, Macbeth. Uh, it's not an antiquated art form, but a, it, opera should be a repository for the most glorious music and drama that man has created. So uh, encouraging people to go along and, and well, get immersed I mean, in the opera.
1: Yes, you realise... Well, like, I always thought Verdi was a towering genius, and he, he wrote and he wrote, what, at least eight operas that are still performed regularly and still madly popular all over the world. Mm. Um, I mean, his music is inexhaustibly inventive. I mean, it goes, you know, from high drama to melodic sections to whimsy to... oh It covers a huge range of emotions with tremendous skill.
0: I didn't expect the uh, the music to be quite so... I would have said uh, bouncy. It was melodic, definitely melodic. Oh, was quite, the, <laughs> the tuba was in it and it was quite comical.
1: <laughs> Some of it was quite jaunty. Well, I love this idea of making the witches a gay bunch, who are, I mean a happy bunch, yeah. who were sort of joy, having reveling in their evil. Yeah. That's... They're loving it. <laughs> Rubbing their thought, hands together really, with glee. <laughs> yes, I thought that's a really clever touch because it... Um, it offsets the drama of what's actually happening to Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Mm. The, the witches, they're liking this.
0: Yeah. That, 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 and, uh, that was very clever to bring 30 of them onto the stage as well. It really um, really livened everything up, didn't it? It was a lovely contrast. Yes. So when, when it comes to directing films and then perhaps comparing directing opera, what do you find as uh, sort of different, main differences or things that you, you enjoy more or...?
1: Well, I I love doing both. I mean, it's great, but it's not like one of my kids said to me once, when are you going to get a real job?
0: <laughs> Hang on, they can't say that to you. <laughs> well,
1: Surely they thought not. if you're doing films and um, operas and having such a good time, it can't really be work. Um, <laughs> but it, it is very enjoyable. Mm. Uh, I like the challenge of doing opera or theatre where you have to make it work with the audience in a fixed position. You know, you can't you can't uh, it's not a film you can't cut closer you can't move the camera you can't slip in a close up of somebody you can't slip in tracking shots or anything you've got to make it work from a fixed position mm-hmm. and I enjoy doing that I enjoy composing that big that big stage so that it looks uh, exciting
0: at what point in your career did you get involved in the opera was did that come first or was it something that was No the
1: first? first one I did was in 1986 um it came about by chance. I was in, I'd gone to Italy to see a production of Samuel Barber's opera, Antony and Cleopatra. And it was at the Spoleto Festival. And I met Giancarlo Minotti, the Italian American composer mm-hmm. um, who ran the festival. And he said, Oh, you're that a film director? Someone was telling me about who likes opera. And I said, Oh, yes, that's me. And then he said, You've got to come here and direct an opera. <laughs> and I said, Oh, well, look, I'm not. I'm not musical, I can't even read music. He said, I'm not asking you to conduct it. He said, you're directing it. He said, directors can hardly ever read music. And I said, oh, okay. So that started it off. <laughs> I did an opera for him the following year.
0: Right. And, and what kind of time frame are you usually sort of spending in preparation? For an opera? Mm.
1: Well, there's usually a month to six weeks rehearsal. But I would say I've probably worked. At least three months solidly before that, mm, mm. so that I understand. I have a concept. I don't want to walk onto the rehearsal set and then say, um, uh, uh, You go over there. I don't want to do that. You got so a very I, I clear work idea. it out so that I, I have a good sense of what I'm trying to say with the opera.
0: Mm hmm. And what's uh, next on the, uh, the busy schedule for you? I did hear you say you were heading back up to Sydney, but uh, is that for, that's for work then?
1: Yes, well, I've up? got, there's a, I'm discussing, well, of course, it's, I've got some films in America I'm supposed to do, but I can't go there because of the COVID thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So they're on hold. There's a film in England that's also on hold. So I'm talking with um, some theatre companies here. I've got a couple of good plays that I might be doing.
0: Oh, terrific, yeah. And I suppose COVID, well, it's shut down many of the... Um, a, it was thrilling to be able to attend um, any kind of theatre and show at the moment. I think that's been fantastic to be able yes, to attend. Yes, well, the
1: theatres seem to be opening, so the and I think people want to go out. Mm. So, I mean, I went to see it last night. Oh, wow and, uh, and they're fabulous, and that was packed, and it was a great thrill, and I thought, it's marvellous to sit here with, a you know, what, 1,500 people having a great time. Um. I loved it. You know, people want to go to theatre. Yeah,
0: do you? Have you had to? Um, can you? Can you? How does the? I guess the directing side of things. Excuse me. Cross <coughs> across, across uh, in in the states. If you're meant to be in America, um, how? How? Does, people are doing all sorts of really creative things with online uh, work at the moment, which is partly how we came across. Uh, um, Robert McFarlane, actually, um, who was uh, playing uh, the role of Malcolm. And hello, Robert. I know you'll be listening this morning. And congratulations on <laughs> the fabulous um, performance on Wednesday night. Um, but is it possible to do any kind of direction from, you know, using our wonderful world of technology that we have?
1: <laughs> well, you can do. Look, some, There's a lot of American film companies, of course, are filming here mm. because it's much safer. But there are films being done in America. There's no theatre, I don't think, at the moment. Still nothing. But there are films being done, but they're being done with the most extraordinary restrictions. I mean, I get emails from American friends working on various productions they have said, well, we're glad to be working, but it's absolute hell. Mm-hmm. A cameraman friend of mine told me, he said, I've got no nose left. He <laughs> said, they come and stick a thing up my nose to test me Oof. for COVID every day. He said, my nose is so sore. Gosh. Yeah, and of course they they work in what they call bubble. So you can the scenes, the actors, you know, the people are restricted and oh it's terrible. you can't do no love scenes, no kissing. No. <laughs> no, it's uh, very difficult. It does and I guess I that, mean, films they, I've got to do the films I've signed to do there have both got big crowd scenes and of course at the moment that's that's out.
0: I was gonna say, how did that how did that affect the direction of this particular opera? Because that would have all been being worked on you know, whilst all those restrictions were in place.
1: Was that challenging? Uh, sorry, uh, the, this opera. Mm. Oh, well, you couldn't do it in America at the moment. Mm. Uh,
0: oh, the, You couldn't do Betty's Macbeth in, in America either?
1: Well, you couldn't do it, no. I mean, there's. Uh, I don't think there's any theatre going on there at all yet. Mm. It's mm. probably going to start up fairly soon. Right. And there's nothing, the West End in London, I think, is still closed.
0: Right. Well, that's so depressing to think of, isn't it, really? It's
1: yes, i <laughs> uh, have it all picked up soon. Yeah, yeah.
0: So are you, do you have um, films in, in the uh, wings as well, well? Is that something that you're looking forward to?
1: Well, the, the two, yes. Well, <coughs> two films in America and one in England, mm-hmm. but all of them really on hold. Mm. There's sort of emails and Zoom calls nearly every day with plans, but, you know, nothing concrete yet. Mm -hmm. That's going to start it off
0: Well we have two more uh, Performances left of uh, Macbeth Before the the season's finished uh, And one of them is tomorrow At 3pm so people can uh, hop onto uh, Her Majesty's Theatre website, or they can go to Ticketek to to purchase tickets there. And uh, there's also next Wednesday, I believe it is, is it the 20th, that's right. 26th of May. To check my dates are right, yes, that's right. Wednesday the twenty sixth of May is the uh, final performance. Uh, and it, will you be attending again, or how do do you actually attend all the performances?
1: no i don't no no i will well because i am in. i've got meetings on a couple of projects and things in melbourne i will be here so i will drop into both yes
0: yeah terrific well thank you so much for joining us on the program today it's really kind of you to give us your time very busy man <laughs>
1: oh it's very very nice to talk to
0: you lovely to have you on all the very best with the rest of this season and uh yes to whatever opera um that you can get to um just perhaps, just quickly, uh, give it a plug for. Um, I know there's some students that are listening today. Um, to encourage them to go.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry, say that. I missed that bit. I, I
0: said I know that there will be some students that are listening today who'd be quite, um, in you know, probably can't really imagine what it's uh, uh, about to go to the opera. They
1: they tend to have. Well, look, it's just a. It's like a musical with better music.
0: Very <laughs> <There you> good. <laughs> Ah, terrific analogy, very good indeed. Uh, there we go. So, if if you would like to get along to that, then the tickets are at uh, um, Her Majesty's Theatre. Um, or is it the only Google you need to do to get tickets for that. And that we've been chatting with Bruce Beresford this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll move on. Thank you. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Cheerio. Bye. Cheerio. Um, and to Robert McFarlane, I know you're listening this morning, so I'd like to. Um, Send people over to your uh, website, which is uh, also Nurse Ratchet Music at Bandcamp, um, and I believe you're doing some directing for some uh, projects that are coming up as well. So we look forward to hearing what they will be in the future. Thinking of strange words off your new album, Catastrophically Ourselves, Nurse Ratchet. Uh, you can get that at uh, I think it's Nurse Ratchet Music dot Bandcamp uh, This one's got an unusual title. It's called fluvoxamine. So let's have a little listen to this. We'll be back right after this with Ian Bland.